What's up, everybody? This is Uncle Dad with episode two of Uncle Dad Talks. Uh, we are doing something kind of different here, uh, even though it's only episode two, but we are going to start doing this about hopefully once a month at least. Uh, we're going to be doing Uncle Dad interviews. Now, before I get into all that, I just want to add a correction. Uh, so from episode one, I stated that we were going to be doing Uncle Dad Radio. Unfortunately, Uncle Dad Radio is going to be put on hold for this time, and we'll get into that more later on this episode, but we got some much bigger projects that we have to focus on right now that we're just going to kind of go full on and then worry about Uncle Dad Radio later. Uh, so I do apologize if you were kind of excited or interested to see what that was going to be. That song you just heard was Ghost Beats. Uh, that was a song he produced called Introspective. And again, you can find it on soundstripe.com. Um, again, this is not an ad, but please go check them out and go listen to his music. Uh, with that being said, let me introduce my sidekick, my hetero life mate. Give it up for Baby Game. Hello, Uncle Dad. I'm still here, even after the first episode. I'm I'm amazed I've not been fired yet. I mean, to be fair, to be fair, not yet. Is that I would have put everything on that. <laughs> uh, we'll see how you do this time, because now we got our we got ourselves a celebrity in the house. Well, you know, a pretty high grade celebrity. If you ask That's me, true. But... I'll I'll stay quiet. <laughs> Children should be seen and not heard. You're right. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So how are you, baby? Good. I'm doing well. Uh, finished the first episode. Saying? I'm very excited for episode two. Um, yeah, uh, I'm a bit sad about you, Uncle Dad Radio, but like you said, we have a lot of other projects coming up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. But um, what do you what do you think about this Uncle Dad interview? Is he excited for that? I am excited for it. It's going to help me brush up on my interviewing skills. Plus, I I get to uh, meet new people, you know, in a bunch of different industries that I never would be able to uh, otherwise. Absolutely. And one of the things we talked about earlier was how we needed to connect the community to all these artists. And that's kind of what we're doing as community driven artists. And I can think of no better person to start off with than this gentleman here. Uh, this gentleman has worked with uh, companies like Tops, Upper Deck, Dark Horse. Uh, he's done art for the Howard Stern Show, uh, Robot Chicken, and even uh, Marvel Comics as well. He's a very dear friend of mine. Um, He's been in the business. He's a 20-year veteran, so he's been doing it for such a long time. We have a lot to talk about with him. We also are going to announce something pretty awesome towards the end of the episode. But without further ado, give it up for our guest, Mike Hampton. Oh, hello. Hi. Mike, would you want me to call you Mike or Michael? <laughs> oh, well, um, only a select few are allowed to call me Michael, so uh, Mike will be sufficient for this interview. Thank you. <laughs> they will select when we uh, hang out. Uh, okay, cool, oh, cool, cool. Yeah. Next time, because I know your middle name too. So. <laughs> oh, that's very top secret. Yes. <laughs> I have to be able to say that to you next time I see you in person. Hey. Um, Mike, how are you? I'm doing well. I am enjoying the quarantine. Uh, oh I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what What have you been doing during the quarantine? Um, you know, pretty much the same thing I do, not quarantine, with the exception of not going to any events or comic cons, <clears throat> which is unfortunate because that's a huge part of my life, my lifestyle and my life income. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've just been, uh, I've been cooking good meals. I've been trying to stay physically active and I've been drawing and awesome. doing all kinds of graphic design work and coloring work and, and yeah. Yeah, for those who don't know, uh, Mike Hampton actually did all of our logo work. So all the Uncle Dad comics and the Uncle Dad talks uh, and even the Uncle Dad radio that was, uh, he did all the logo work for us. So um, we thank him for that for sure. Uh, Mike, yeah, so I, I just kind of want to get people to get to know you. I mean, obviously you and I know each other, but you know, I think you you have such a great story 
and such a great personality. And I think much, I mean, from what I understand, a lot of people don't get to see that. And I think it'd be great for people to see, you know, the real Mike Hampton, you know, the person behind the art, if you will. Uh, so let's just kind of get into it. Uh, I mean, obviously it's a very generic question, but I want to start with this is, you know, where did this all start from? Well, my mom and dad were hanging out. Sure. Partying probably. <laughs> and then one another and, uh, you know, um, well, I mean, okay. So as far as uh, me getting started with my art, um, well, we can go way back. I mean, how was it? How was how was home life, man? How was it like growing up? Oh, don't ask. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, we, where we all have that story. Don't worry. But I mean, like, yeah. I mean, other than you know, you know, kid life. <laughs> you know, I mean, how was it? Was it? Uh, I mean, would you say you had a, a fun childhood? I would say so. Yeah, you know, my, my childhood and and um, early part of my life was was living in uh, Louisiana. I lived in South Carolina for a couple of years. Right. That's and right. Then, yeah. uh, so I got these real deep Southern roots that have kind of never left. And, um, and then California and, and yeah. So I think when I moved to California from the South, it was such a different culture. And I, I didn't really fit in with, with a lot of the kids at first, which I still don't fit in with a lot of the kids, but um, back then I kind of turned to comics as like my way of, of, having something to do, having something to, to entertain me or not, not talk to, I mean, but, but that's kind of where I, where I found like a safe haven, you know, cause I went to school out here and I didn't even curse. I got kids cursing. And then when I would say, yes, ma'am, to the teacher, everyone laughed at me. So it was very different. Totally. So Spider-Man saved me from all of that. So right away, I have to ask, what's your favorite, what's your favorite issue of Spider-Man? Um, my favorite issue, I have different levels, um, but the one that is definitely my all-time favorite is uh, Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 50. Oh, of course. Yeah, the first appearance of Kingpin, correct? That's correct. Um, and also, the uh, it, it's really what it is. It's the cover, uh, the genre. Oh, yeah. Spider-Man No More. I happen to have that tattooed on my arm. Yep. And and it just, you know, the whole the storyline, Peter Parker has this internal struggle with being Spider-Man, and that puts the ones he loves in danger and hurts the ones he loves. And, and so it goes deeper than just, like, Wow, that looks really cool. It, it has some deeper meaning for me. Right, of course, yeah. In fact, um, you know, we'll talk about this more later on. But you did art for uh, Burning Man, and uh, I actually have your Burning Man piece in my house. That's the cover of uh, a Spider Man Fifty, Amazing Spider Man Fifty. So, yeah, I, I, that's awesome that it's such a big part of your life. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and that was like uh, that Burning Man piece. Uh, Burning Man is obviously a big part of my life as well as comic books. And so to bridge the Burning Man side of my life with the comic book art side of my life with that piece, that's probably one of my favorite pieces I've ever uh, I've ever illustrated. So oh, yeah. you should be happy that it's in your apartment. Oh, I'm very happy. I literally showed off every time somebody walks in my apartment. So, <laughs> And I always have to quiz everybody, what cover is that? And they all go, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so then I get new friends. <laughs> yeah, who are you letting into your apartment? Right? I know, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. What are these people? I know. Uh, but yeah, so uh, you came over here from Louisiana or from the South and you were dealing with, you know, kind of fitting in. So how, how did that kind of go about? I mean, you found comic books and stuff like that. So once you found those comics, is that how you kind of started saying, you know, I want to draw these comics? Yeah, I just some somewhere along the line started copying. Um, I was really into, I was also into DuckTales, DuckTales okay. comics. And, um, you mean DuckTales like DuckTales? <laughs> Darkwing Duck? Darkwing Duck? <laughs> what? Darkwing Duck is something different, bro. <laughs> but I wonder if you transition like to that as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're absolutely right, Baby Gabe. That's a very good 
I'm, I'm so shocked that you put that together. <laughs> yeah, no, it started with DuckTales and then of course Darkwing Duck came out and I love, I love that. I would actually, here's uh, putting my age in perspective here. I would videotape the Darkwing Duck episodes on like a compilation tape. So then I could watch like an eight hour VHS tape of Darkwing Duck. So anyways, I was a big fan of the Disney Duck stuff. And that's kind of actually what I started drawing was, was a lot of DuckTales and Darkwing Duck. So learning how to draw the beaks and I was kind of copying the, uh, the comics. And then, and then from that, I started drawing. I actually had made a couple what I would call friends at this point in my class. And so and at this point, roughly how old do you think you, uh, think you are? Probably about uh, 12. Okay. And, uh, and so I draw in class and then that was a good way to get people to pay attention to me. And um, people were like, you know, I made a couple of friends and then I started drawing my friends in little comics. And so I'd, we'd have our little friend group and I just make these little, I'd, I'd fold a piece of paper and they're like a handful of piece of papers in half, staple them in the middle and then make a little comic book. <clears throat> but the story is just made up adventures of me and, you know, the four or five friends that I had. And are you writing these in like, let's say uh, a binder paper or like just solid white paper or how we, how would you go about making these comics? Yeah, they were actually most of, they started off binder paper folded in half and then they would, I somehow got my hands on some plain white paper, started doing that. And so I'd make a, I'd make an issue and then I'd give it to my best friend and then he would read it and then maybe give it to his friend. And then eventually it would make it back to my best friend who held on to them for years. And I actually have a box somewhere with all of these comics that I started drawing from like way back then. Wow, wow I, really? So Mike Hampton, like super originals. Super duper originals. Uh, well, I'm going to throw this out there right now. I want to buy one. <laughs> <laughs> I need it for the art gallery. <laughs> I was going to ask if you considered redrawing those. Oh, that'd be awesome too. Like, yeah, bring yeah. those back. I mean, if you consider them, you know, readable. <laughs> It would be interesting to see. I mean, I haven't read them in a hundred years, so it'd be <laughs> interesting to see what the hell was in my brain. Cause I have a hard time reading stuff that I drew 20 years ago, let alone more than 20 years ago. That's funny. Transitioning real quick. Cause that actually brings me to a question I had. Um, how would you say your artwork has changed over time since you first started this? Yeah, it's a good question. So, I mean, initially it was very, uh, I drew a lot of cartoons, cartoonish style things. And, you know, I drew my friends as cartoon characters and I was drawing cartoons. Um, my first comic that I ever put out, like besides the ones that I just told you about was, was a cartoon rabbit, um, with weed leaves for ears. And, uh, what was the name of that rabbit? Oh, it was Ganja Rabbit. Ganja Rabbit. What a great name. That just sounds like that should be something you should sell every every 420, like as a shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or at least like as like sticker sets. Or even sticker sets. Yeah. yeah. That's a super good idea, especially during the 420 time, man. Hell yeah. Even if you don't know what Ganja Rabbit is, I mean, look, weed sells. <laughs> it does sell. You're right. You know what? Um, maybe I'll bring him back. Let's 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 do it. And then maybe we'll make a we'll make a collab where we sell some uh, ganja ganja rabbit weed. <laughs> ganja rabbit weed, ganja rabbit uh, treats. Oh, dude, done, easy, sell, stamp it, uh, Gabe. Let's get that happening. Let's go. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Uncle Dad's already branching out to a different industry. Yeah, now we're doing cannabis. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah. So go on, Jarepa, go ahead. Um, yeah. So that was my first like published self-published comic that I actually printed up, made copies of, and then started selling at conventions. And, uh, and then roughly how old were you when this was kind of going on? I was a senior in high school. When you were selling Gondra Rabbit? That's right. Yeah. Wow. I was. So you were probably like, what, 18? No, I graduated, you know, I graduated 17, but okay. I was probably 16 or 17 when I, when I first had my first issue of that out or it, it oh, actually, wow. I take that back. It was featured in a, in a book that I worked on with a few other artists called hood magazine. Okay. And hood magazine was like a rap, rap hip hop version of mad magazine. Okay. So Gunja Rabbit appeared in a short, you know, like a four page short, short story in a couple of the issues. And from there, uh, I spawned off my first solo issue. And that I think I was probably 18 by the time that came out. Yeah. Yeah. So for Gunja Rabbit, when you had gotten published in that magazine, Hood Magazine, now I'm assuming that doesn't exist still, does it? It's, it's not, no. There's, I mean, there's copies of them out there, but they don't, uh, that's not a running thing anymore. Gotcha. So then you were what, 17 and you were publishing an independent comic, right? Wow. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, dude. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I feel like most artists now have an incredibly hard time with it getting published even independently. So I think that's something to be kind of, especially during a time when pre-internet, like that's pretty awesome if you ask me. Yeah. There was no internet really. There was no um, online printing companies that you could just upload your files to. I mean, this was like, books that were done at sometimes Kinko's. It was almost like, you know, making a mixtape and just handing it out at the parking lot, right? I mean, literally we, we would go to, we, at the time I lived in Sacramento and I would drive out with my buddies who were also doing the hood magazine. They lived out here in the Bay area where I live now. We would go stand on telegraph in, in Berkeley and sell our, our books in front of like Rasputin's and, and uh, Amoeba records just, Hey, excuse me. Uh, hello, sir. And, and just like get people to stop and they would buy our books, you know, and then of course we'd sell them at the conventions as well. Sure. How many people were actually buying when you would talk to them back in the day? You know, I, it, I would say it was fair because we'd go out, I'd say with about a stack of 10 to 20 books, each of us. And, and within, you know, four or five hours of being out there, pretty much sell them all. And see, what's crazy about that is like, if you think about that in today's climate, no one's going to want to talk to you, right? Like you walk up to them, they'll be like, I mean, baby Gabe, what do you think? They'll be more or less be kind of like, I mean, we probably ignore them, right? No, I, I definitely think you're right. People would just walk by or just say, no, thank you. Like it's an immediate response nowadays. So it's like, you know, you were hustling at like, I think the best time in my opinion. Yeah. If anyone walked up to me holding on a book, I would definitely put my head down and not look at <laughs> Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's like, you know, you think about X amount of years ago and you're just like, yeah, fuck it. You know what I mean? Let's go talk to a bunch of strangers. And, and even think, cause at that time, how old are you? Probably like what? 18, 17. So yeah, exactly. I like thinking about that. You got this 18, 17 year old kid just going to a bunch of whatever, you know, strangers, I'm sure, you know, you didn't have a cell phone. So like legit, you could just like, Oh, Hey, I'll come to my car. And now you're dead. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, they could have told me to come to their car and, and and I could sit in the front seat and they could I could read the comic to them and then. Don't get me wrong; it makes for an interesting story, but like, it just it, it, when you hear when you kind of think about what how far we've came, even though it hasn't really been that long of time, it's so interesting how much you know culturally things have just changed and you know how we distribute you know any sort of entertainment, how we talk to people, even it's just 
I don't know. I think I find it. I find all that fascinating. It is very fascinating. I think each decade since like 1960, the the way things have gone progressively with the culture and how we communicate and how we relate to each other advanced so much faster than it did for hundreds and if not thousands, you know, thousands of years. It's just like it's so different. Even from 10 years ago, it's so different. Oh, totally, totally. And 10 years ago, when you really think about that, really wasn't that long ago when you really think about that and you're like, fuck, you know, like, cause even when like, when I was in high school, it was roughly around 2000, like what, four or five, that's not that long ago. And cell phones really even weren't that prominent. Right. And it's like, now they're fucking, you know, the, the you know, the requirement to live, you know, every child has one now. Yeah. Every child has one now. It's just like, like ages two and right, up. Right. It's right. like everyone has like an iPad. At right. Least. Or they, they make, they even make iPads for the children. Like, I don't know. Right. Yeah. Those, those kids yeah, tablets yeah. too. You're right. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't mean to make this the podcast about a grumpy old men, but still. <laughs> hey, it just, I think it happens. <laughs> oh, totally. Totally. Um, so, you know what? I think, I think we kind of like totally lost track of uh, baby Gabe's question. Uh, but what was your question again? Gabe? <laughs> uh, how has uh, your art changed over time? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So from the times when I was walking around with a pager to now, when I walk around with a smartphone, um, and a pager. <laughs> don't we can't talk about the pager. That's they're coming back. <laughs> they're coming back, dude. <laughs> yeah, I went from doing a lot of cartoons and comics um, to to now. It's been a while since I've published a comic. I mean, I I definitely I do a lot of digital coloring now for for a few different comics, um, including some that I've uh, worked on with with a good friend of mine who I do a lot of co- conventions with. Um, Brandon Bracamonte, we we've uh, had a couple books that we've been trying to work on, but it's it's hard to work on a book. So uh, a lot of a lot of what I've been working on is is graphic design and like I mentioned, the coloring or um, just illustration for hire, and uh, which is fine. And, and then I've also done a lot of like mashups of whatever's popular in in culture with sports or. Uh, different logos, commentary on on the way things are going in society. So it sounds like to me your 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 artwork has become more. And and when I say this, I don't want it to sound like derogatory, but you you would say your artwork has become more like parody driven, right? Definitely. No, that's a great way of putting it. Um, the stuff that I actually put out, that's my own. It is. It's 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 parody, and and it's interesting because. Um, you know, aside from the stuff that someone hires me to like do a, do a logo for them or do a, a, you know, whatever art they need. I feel like my, my art, even when I was doing Gunja Rabbit or the comics I was doing after that, like Captain A-Hole, which I did for a number of years, or even Hot Zombie Chicks, which I did for a number of years after that. Um, they all kind of were like commentary on society and making kind of poking fun at society. Right. But just, it's just always been in a different form or, or, variety of that, I guess. Absolutely. And then, so to kind of touch on that, after kind of gone it and hustling and selling those comics out there, and w- roughly when did we get to the point where you start doing Captain A-Hole? Because Captain A-Hole was directly after, correct? Captain A-Hole was the first thing I did after Ganja. I, I killed Ganja Rabbit off and made... And what do you think the reason was behind that, killing Ganja off? I think it's like, it's interesting. It's like a chapter, it's like a chapter in my life that I just felt like I wasn't. Yeah. So now, so now if I can ask you this, were, were you a big stoner back then? No, not at all. No, no. I actually, I smoked a little bit in school and then, um, 
I was working at a Carl's Jr. when I was a senior in high school. Tight. And a couple of guys were like, hey, we're going to close. I'd only been there a week. We're going to smoke a fatty and then we're going to make a fat burger and then we're going to clean up and then we're going to go home. And I said, deal. So we sit down and we smoke out of this pipe and I start tripping my balls off. And, um, you know, like these guys are describing all these different things that are happening. Like, oh, you're going to see these things move like this and you're going to hear this. And I know where to get this stuff. And, da, da, da. and literally everything they're describing is happening to me. And I get up to walk and I can barely even walk. And I'm like, this is not weed. And so oh I asked God. the guys like, hey, you know, is this, was this laced? And the guy goes, no. And I go, well, what is this? Because I know this isn't weed. And he tells me that it's opium. Oh, wow. I didn't know what the fuck opium was. So I freaked out when he said that. And I go to the back and the guy runs back there after him. And he goes, what are you doing? And I go, I'm calling my mom. <laughs> and uh, anyway, he left me alone. But I could barely dial the number. And then I told my mom. And so really quickly before you yeah. get the story, what would, what, how would you describe opium? What is opium exactly for people who don't know? Well, I will say this, looking back, whatever that was, it was, wasn't opium, okay. but okay. opium is like a, you know, it's, it's what's in, it's like the thing that's in pain pills. It's what's, it's part of what makes heroin so great. It's like a, you know, it's an opioid. It's just like a sedative and you're supposed to feel really good. I felt horrible. Right, right. Yeah. The opposite of what it should do to you, right? Yeah. So then my mom, I'm like, mom, I need you to come get me. I feel sick. I'm at work. And she's like, well, you've got the only car. First off, can I just say how baller that is that the first person he calls is his, his damn mom. He's like, I'm calling my mom. And he says it with pride. I mean, that's pretty awesome. Cause I feel like nobody would do that. Even I wouldn't do that back then. <laughs> I was obviously out of my mind, but <laughs> oh, happy mother's day. <laughs> Hey, you know, mom's always there. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Happy Mother's Day. Yeah, moms will always be there. Yeah. So long story short, I, I've, I made my way into the car. I left. I drove across the parking lot and sat in front of an ATM, a bank with an ATM that had people going to it. And I looked like a meth head sitting in this shit, <laughs> 85 Nissan Sentra. And everyone that pulled up was staring at me like, is this guy going to rob me? <laughs> And I'm freaking out. And I think I see people running out of the Carl's Jr. towards me. I, I'm, and finally, my mom shows up, takes me home. The next day I wake up with, I feel like I've been hit by a freight train. Needless to say, whatever I smoked wasn't weed. It definitely wasn't opium. And the next time I tried to smoke weed, I went into convulsions on the floor. So weed was ruined for me. It sounds like, it, sounds like it's no fun at all. Yeah. Uh, cause whatever, whatever would happen when I would smoke weed again, my body would have this crazy reaction to it. And I, I would literally go into shaking convulsions. And, uh, so, um, I was kind of over. <laughs> <laughs> no, clearly, 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 clearly God's rabbit needed to die. Huh? <laughs> yeah. and, but, but on a profitable, a profitable standpoint, you can still yeah. make money off Granja. And I think you should totally make Ganja rabbit a 420 thing. I think uh, you might be on something there. You might have a decent head between your shoulders. Yeah. Oh, I, th I think I, I think I do. I don't know. You know. <laughs> Speaking of making a profit, uh, Carl's Jr. Plug your head here if you want. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, Carl's Jr. Yes, yes. Well, we'll work for superstars or famous stars, whatever. <laughs> uh, all right. So Gondra Rabbit gets killed after your crazy life. Gondra Rabbit's killed. And plus, also, I would I would be at a convention, and you know, I'm a little bit older at this point. I'm like. 20 and so you're what, two years old there. <laughs> yeah, you know, and um, you know, that's a big couple year gap. And uh, 
maybe 21. I don't know. Something somewhere around there. It's all a blur at this point. And, uh, all right. Anyways, so gun driver gets killed, uh, not killed, but take, taken away. <laughs> and, uh, we go into what next? So while, while I'm, while I'm doing guns rabbit, also like I'm at conventions and, and people are coming up to the table, you know, sometimes they're with kids and I'm like, hi, this is my comic guns rabbit. And some, the weed at this point wasn't accepted culturally as it is now. Sure. You know, I mean, it wasn't legal and, uh, you know, there was just like this whole different outlook to it. So I just kind of also felt weird saying ganja rabbit to people with their kids and just people in general. And then they have this connotation of who I am and that I'm a piece of crap or whatever. So I just also got kind of tired of that and was ready for something new. And I was also rapping at this point and I had a, rap persona that I would kind of take on a name that a friend of mine named age Scott gave me called captain asshole. And so when I would rap, I would be like this really angry, like angry white kid, fuck the system, fuck everything. I'm the best rapper, captain asshole. And after I killed Gunja rabbit, I felt I could make a captain asshole comic. And the, the persona of captain asshole was this, was this, guy with a bag on his head who was like, couldn't really be himself in real life. So he would wear a bag on his head and then he was somehow had the courage and confidence to say whatever he wanted to say to whoever he wanted to say it to. And a lot, and it would come out, you know, in a very aggressive, often sarcastic form. So somehow I went from not being comfortable to saying Gunja Rabbit at a comic book table in a convention to saying Captain Asshole or Captain A-hole <laughs> at a comic book table. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so at this point then, when you start making uh, Captain A-hole roughly, what's the year the first issue comes out roughly? Roughly somewhere around 2000. It's, it's, it's hard to remember exactly. Um, but it's somewhere around 2000, maybe 2001. Uh, he, Captain A-hole first appeared on my, on an album, my first solo hip hop album that I put out. And, uh, it was from there I started drawing the comic. And so what I would do since he spawned from, from, a, from hip hop music was that I would do a short little CD with about two or three songs that would relate to the comic book. And I would put that into the comic book and sell it as a package. So you get the comic and you get this CD because back then people use CDs. Not right, right. anymore. <laughs> progressing. Uh, and, uh, and yeah. And so I did several issues of that. And um, now is there, is I'm just curious, is there a Captain A-hole record, like a vinyl record? Man, I wish there was, that would be so dope. I, 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 I would imagine doing like maybe like a best of or something and then putting that on a vinyl. I'm just going to throw those out there. I'm just going to throw those out there. I think we should look into that. I'm thinking uh, Uncle Dad, Uncle Dad, you know, is going to branch out. And again, we have to look at something to, uh, pretty nice to announce later in the show. But I don't know. I think I like the idea of making like a 50, uh, a 50 uh, print. A 50th? Not a 50th. <laughs> no, like, like, a, like a 50 issue, uh, not 50 issue, but like a 50, uh, you know, 50 quantity uh, limited press. You know what I mean? Yeah. As long as it's not a 50th anniversary, because then... No, 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 no. Making you older than you are, right? Yeah, and you know what would be fucking cool in that too, man, is that we'll, we'll make it a, what is it, bifold, and so when you open it up, inside of it, you got a picture of not only a Captain A-hole, but Ganja Rabbit. <laughs> oh, sh- Yeah. 
the, the evolution. I just think uh, that's an Uncle Dad exclusive. I'm just going to throw this out there right now. Later this year, we're going to look into making a, a Campanejo vinyl. Dude, I would shit my pants if we did. And I mean that 100. Like, we're going to look yeah. into that. So, yeah, man, keep an eye out for that. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was talking to my buddy who does all the, who did most of the production back then and um, who's helping me now. And he's, we're going to, he's going to remaster a lot of those songs. Like wow. the good ones. Okay. So um, we can, man, that would be super dope. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I think we should look into that. Baby Gabe, uh, write that down. <laughs> you got it. Family intern working. Family, yeah, the, oh yeah, he's the family intern. Just, just in case you didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, Kevin Hall comes out. You start putting it out there on the market. How is it received? Do you think? Do you think uh, it's received fairly well? Do you think people are talking about that more than they are? Uh, Gonzo Rabbit. What's what? What are you seeing from that? So yeah, this is where I saw my my uh, where I leveled up, and um, I definitely sold a lot more issues than I did with Ganja Rabbit, and so. Interesting enough, my first San Diego Comic Con that I ever did, where I was set up, because I did it a few years, um, helping like a buddy of mine who sells old comics, you know, just going to like work at a booth. But the first time I set up at Comic Con by myself was um, 2004. And I had a couple issues, I think maybe three issues of Captain A-Hole and it was the first time I I sold out of everything I brought. Uh, people were like totally digging it. I felt like, wow, I'm finally, like, here's what it feels like to finally be some, something in here as opposed to like hoping to cover my table cost, if, if that, you know? And, um, and it was great and uh, and then so from there, I, the, the issues kind of related were just like Captain A-Hole in his hip hop adventures. And then I, I came up with a book uh, a year or two later called Captain A-Hole's How to Do Comics, which was kind of like the first guide for Captain. So it was like Captain A-Hole teaching this character in the comic who's like this little elf kid. Because when you're making a comic, you basically become a little elf and you're hiding off in your room and no one sees you and you're just alone. going to work just fucking going to work so um that was the first game you, you know what that's like to be like a little elf don't you baby gabe just because i'm as tall as one <laughs> correct um baby gabe did he did he answer your question by the way <laughs> he did he did yes <laughs> i want to just kind of go back to that real quickly um Awesome. Awesome. Uh, baby Gabe, did you want to, before we get into his uh, next chapter of that life, uh, do you want to ask him something else? Actually, uh, how many uh, San Diego Comic-Con conventions have you like been to or you, where you worked at them? The first one I went to was in 2001 and I worked, like I was saying at a booth, but the, my first one where I was there as, as my Campton with my art was 2004 and I've missed one since then. Oh, wow. So you've, you've gotten to see it like transition and, and change. How was, how was that? You know, that's a great question. It, that, that convention, I, I mean, when I went, you know, it was, it, it, it was big and, but it wouldn't sell out. And, but I've watched it become a comic convention where it's, you know, mostly about comics and to now it's, it's more of a pop culture con convention where it's more about the entertainment, the production, movie productions, TV studios, 
celebrity panels um, and lots of products like toys and statues and Lego and, and Mattel and, 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 and those guys were there even back then, but like it, it's more centralized around that aspect and the comic book side has been, has gotten smaller and pushed further. Right. But, but the comic con people are really good at, at keeping, keeping the comic people involved, even though the mass amount of people that come to the convention aren't there for the comics. They're there for the free shit, the, 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 the panels, the celebrity sightings, exclusives, the, 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 the experience of Comic-Con is more why people go, I think, now. Right. Do you remember how much tickets used to cost back then? No, because I never paid for a ticket the entire time I've ever been going to Comic-Con. Oh, look at you hustling. <laughs> you like that? Oh, I do. Like a little, little bit of drip right there. Oh, yeah, that's what the kids are saying these days, right? <laughs> yeah, the drip, the flex. <laughs> Uncle Dad Googled all this before coming on. I'm Googling right now. <laughs> <laughs> what do kids say? That's hip. <laughs> do you ever go flossing? Do you ever go flossing? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> all right, so now let's get back to the story, the storyline here. So you do your cons, you're selling your comics, you're doing the Captain A-Hole. Uh, you do Captain A-Hole for about roughly how many years? Six, seven years. Okay. So now, inter- interesting fact. In that six and seven years, who do you meet? You. That's right. Uh, baby Gabe, uh, me and this guy go way back, uh, roughly around, I want to say 2005 or 2006, around that time. Uh, I was a young kid. And, you know, he talks about how he said right now about how he would talk about comics to to kids like Ganja Rabbit, right? So I remember, and I remember this so vividly, and I don't know if I ever recall this account to you, Mike, but I'm going to do it right now. I remember this so vividly. We were at the Scottish Rite Center. That's located in Sacramento, California. I want to say it was for one of the horror conventions. No, no, it was one of the SatCons. So Sacramento does this like twice a month, twice a year Comic-Con. And it, back in the day, it used to be at the Scottish Rite Center. So I remember this to a T. I'm walking by, and I'm looking through these comics. And I want to say you were working with uh, that friend you're saying, uh, who sells old comics? And as I'm looking through the comics, I remember a very, uh, a very young-faced, uh, scruffy-looking young gentleman comes up to me and goes, "Hey, man, you like comics? You like superheroes?" And I'm not kidding you. He says this to me. He pulls me aside and he goes, "Let me show you a superhero that doesn't give a fuck." <laughs> or something like that around those lines. He says how you feel. because And then he told me his story that he used to work for a uh, this uh, medical company. He used to do some stuff for that medical company. And the comic he sold me was Captain A-Hole's Guide to Customer Service. And I remember being so taken back by it because, you know, again, he was just very forward about it. And what I liked was at that time, I had to be like, I don't know, 15 or 16. But what I liked is that he didn't talk to me like I was a like dumb teenager or whatever. He talked to me as like, an individual and he talked to me as an equal. You know, he treated me as somebody who was like, you know, like him, even though he was clearly much older than me. A way to connect to me with that comic. And I, I think about that moment often because really that moment has transcended a lot in my life how I treat other people or do my best to at least. And um yeah, I just think you should you should hear that story, man. And I, I have to tell you thank you for that moment. And it's just hard to believe that this fresh faced kid, both of us who were fresh faced kids really kind of came together as life went on. Yeah. Wow. That's, I don't think I've ever heard that. And <laughs> that's really kind of you to say, and I appreciate how you said that. And, um, and thank you. And thank you for buying the comic back then, because uh, I wouldn't do that to anyone now. I wouldn't bother anyone with my things now, but uh, I do remember being like that. And, and a lot of the ways I would sell my comic would be by 
weren't abrasive about it. You weren't like, hey, come check us out. You had just, you were just like, you asked me a question and then I responded. And then I'm sure if I, you asked me that question and I didn't care for it, you probably would have left me alone. At least I would think you would have. I don't know. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I, I think, um, you know, I think, you know, I think doing it like that's okay. I mean, you're just asking a simple question like, hey, do you like superheroes? Like, well, I got a different superhero for you. Like, but I mean, really, in today's climate, can you even do that? I don't, I don't really think you can. I don't think, I think the problem is, because you know, I, I go to lots of conventions still. Uh, the more local ones, I don't really go to like the big, big ones, but you know, the local ones in our area, which is like the Bay Area, the Northern California area. And you see a lot of people trying to promote their art, whatever they're doing. And I think what makes you, you know, people like you, and then I would even say people like your, your friends you have, you know, all you guys were part of a generation that I think doesn't really push their art and push their, their passion like this generation does. And I think that's what's missing in this generation. What was so great, like a lot of cats that you know, I met them, you know, here and there through conventions. And it was simply because they they reached out to me. They asked me a question. They they treated me like an individual. They didn't treat me like, you know, some, again, like some fresh-faced teen, you know what I mean? Like they treated me as like, hey, do you like this? And if you do, you got to read this. And I think in the world of comic books now, people who are trying to be a comic book artist, they don't do that. They just kind of put their art out. And if they like it, people do. And if they don't, they don't. And I think that 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 work ethic, that hustle, that that's gone completely in the world of comics, in my opinion. Yeah, that's a great way of, of, of putting it. I think there's a very uh, entitlement that comes with people now. It seems like in general, I, you know, I'm not saying everyone's like this, but, you know, there's kind of a, an entitlement that I'm doing this and you should care. And, and and I think, you know, a lot of that's just the way the culture is now. You know, I sound like an old man, but like social media and everyone's got their fucking own platform to, to make themselves a star. And I think what what you're talking about is it's the human connection that bridges people to each other and that is there. And I think in general, it gets lost as we come, as we get more digital and, and more in this way of like not being able to communicate face to face as much. I don't know. This is just a theory, but I think we, 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 we lose a little bit of that human connection because we're connected in other ways, but there's nothing as genuine as like, looking at someone in the eye and really connecting and being present with them, not talking to them while you're talking, while you're texting someone or looking at Instagram or, you know, spacing out behind, behind a table, eye contact and, and actually caring about the person you're talking to because they're another human in the same realm as you in a comic convention. Like there's already a, a common space there. And anyways, I'm rambling like a hippie. No, no. And, and I, oh, actually what I want to add to that is that um, I think what you just said was perfect because back in the day when I would go to cons, right? And how you and I met, we were connected through a medium that when you really think about it, wasn't that well liked yet in the world. It was getting there. It was definitely becoming like the thing that people wanted to like. I mean, obviously now it's like, I mean, who's not a quote unquote comic book fan, right? And I think when you go back then, these are people who were generally working for, for an, uh, really, if you think about it, a dying art form. I mean, Marvel Comics was barely making any money back then. I mean, DC, most of the people left to make their own independent companies in the 90s to kind of go forward in the early 2000s. I mean, nobody was really making a, a hot comic book. You know what I mean? And I think now when you think about comic book conventions, it's like, yeah, it's the it thing to do, right? Like, it's like these Marvel movies changed everything. You know, the way we perceive comic books has changed everything i mean you know for those who do know and like you know i I still buy comic books i still buy the print media i still try to buy to keep it kept up in these storylines and i guarantee you if i have that conversation with another quote-unquote comic book fan at these conventions they're not going to know what happened in the latest issue of snot girl what's the latest issue of you know even how the walking dead ended other than in the tv show you know what i mean and i think that's what made it so different is kind of like 
back then we had that common bit, that common ground, like, Hey, you're, you're an outcast like me and let's, let's celebrate that. And I feel like now it's like, well, we're, we're all outcasts, quote unquote. So yeah, man. That's a great point. Yeah. I mean, that's well, very well said. Uh, yeah. Back then it was kind of like comics were underground, even though obviously Marvel and DC were, were big. When you met someone that was in the comics, it was like, Whoa, you like comics too. What, what do you read? And, and yeah. And now it's, there's a, it, it's like there was that point where liking comics became cool because being kind of nerdy and geeky was kind of cool. And now it's gone past that where the comic book culture is just consumer culture. And, and it's just part of the thread that we're all into. Oh, totally. Uh, Baby Gabe, do you have anything to add to that? I feel like you do. Um, actually, going back to uh, when Mike was talking about how everyone is like has their own like established platform uh, online or on social media, I, I do feel it does take away from some of the human connection he was talking about because, I mean, it'll obviously depend on the individual, but if you go up to, you know, someone's booth, I mean, I've had a couple of accounts where it's like, oh yeah, just check me out, you know, at my website or my Instagram page instead of like divulging you know, talking to you there face-to-face in person. They'd rather redirect you to their social media site. You know, you just hit that on the head because you just, you just made me think of something. I remember very vividly too going to these comic book conventions. Mike, do you remember when you would see these independent artists, they would hand you like a, um, like a, like a small comic book, but it was like nothing but their like artwork in it, like a taste basically? Yeah, ash can. Yeah, yeah, yes, thank you, yes. Uh, I remember receiving so many of those from cats like you. And um, I, I, it's funny, I was just thinking about that the other day too, Baby Gabe. It's like, you would go to the comic book convention, you would talk to this independent artist, and even though you might not buy anything, they would give that to you just so you can go over it. And if you did like it, you would come back to that convention and be like, hey man, I really love this, can I fucking buy it? That is gone completely. And to your point, Baby Gabe, you're completely right. It's like, let's just go go to, go to my Instagram. Let me go like it, go follow it. Now, don't get me wrong, you know, that's the age that we're in. So, you know, I'm gonna, sure, like right now, so Go to Instagram.com uh, forward slash Uncle Dad Comics and give us a follow. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think that world is gone. So very, very, very good point, baby. Good. All right. So continue the storyline. So now we're going on the way. You're doing it for six, seven years. You and I have met. Best part of your life, I'm sure. You go, you go, you go down through it. Uh, now, at what point do you transition out of Captain A-Hole and go into the world of uh, Hot Zombie Chicks? There was a bridge where I was doing year where I did Captain A-Hole's Guide to Dating and I had kind of just started working on the like the bare bones of, of what Hot Zombie Chicks was and this was before zombies were a thing like they were still like they were out there of course but they weren't there was no the Walking Dead comic was there but the thought of there being a TV show about the Walking Dead was just yeah, it was like far. you couldn't even you would lose your mind if you knew that was going to happen I oh mean, yeah oh yeah um and so I think it was about 2007 is when I did my first Hot Zombie Chicks comic, but I was still carrying the Captain A-Hole persona in my music. Um, but yeah, so from about 2007 to 2011, I think is when I was doing Hot Zombie Chicks. And that's where uh, I stopped Captain A-Hole and, and did that full time. And, and that probably, probably was my most successful uh, book. I just, I sold lots of books. Um, I made. So you, so you described the uh, Ganja Rabbit. You described, you got the nail. Describe what the story is about for Hazan Chicks. Yes, thank you. It was, uh, so I started with the idea of doing a pinup, like a pinup book of zombie chicks. Like I thought that would be fun and interesting and never done, never seen. When you say pinup, do you mean kind of like Playboy? Comic? Well, not, 
kind of yeah like uh the first issue was was more playboy you know like and uh and then i kind of pulled the reins back a little bit and then it was more like a bathing suit swim like a sports illustrated swimsuit edition and then even pulled it back further and it was then i started doing parodies of like famous posters but as zombie chicks, um, you know, like the attack of the 50 foot woman, it'd be attack of the 50 foot zombie. Yes. I, I remember that. That was that. Wasn't that your banner? I probably had a big poster of it in the back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I remember that big ass banner and it said hot zombie chicks or something like that. Yeah. I remember that. So, so, but so it was mainly based on the pinups and then the, I would sell prints of the pinups, which, um, sold really well, but there was also a story and, and, and the story was a commentary on people exploiting women like like they do so much in, in in pop culture and in general and so in some way whoever's exploiting the, the zombie chicks would end up getting their due from the zombie chicks so if this guy is exploiting them he had a he had a magazine that he was putting in zombie chicks in and in the end he gets eaten by the zombies and each issue would be a different it takes place in a post-apocalyptic zombie world of course and Whoever the sleazy douchebag is that's making money off of the zombie chicks ends up getting killed by the zombie chicks. I remember one of the things that made that book very, I guess, desired in my opinion was your covers were amazing. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, appreciate that. I mean, the covers were, would be basically that, like a like a, a famous poster or a famous, even a famous comic book cover. Like the first issue was a Dan Brereton uh, Vampirella cover that he did and i zombified that and the second issue was the a 50 foot woman and then then there was that really popular poster uh uh rolling stone cover with the janet jackson with the hands behind her holding her oh yes yeah 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 yeah. i remember that yeah so um yeah those were fun to do and uh i got really into the horror scene when i was doing that so i remember sacramento used to have Remind me, I can't. I think it was called Trash Film something. Yes, Trash Film Orgy. Used to be a part of that too, huh? Well, I would, I in the sense that you know they would take over the the Crest Theater in downtown Sac for a night, and you know it'd be like kind of like a you know they'd show a, some kind of older B movie or something in the yeah yeah yeah. Ever. I remember that. That was that was fun, man. I'd sell my my comics. Um, with some of my other comic book friends in the in the lobby, there. So. Yeah, I have another uh, little, little flashback story. I have another fun memory. Uh, this is again where during this time of you kind of selling these comics, the history between us. It's like I would see you about twice a year, or three times a year at these conventions, and we would always just talk kind of here and there before we became close, of course. But I remember very vividly. Uh, when Hot Zombie Chicks, I want to say book four came out, you had went to Comic-Con and you went, you got these um, busts. You made these uh, Hot Zombie Girl like bust statues that were black and white. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. 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 And I remember you tried so hard to sell to me. You were like, you go, he said to me, I can't remember verbatim, but it was more or less like this. Look, you got everything else. You might as well get this. Look, this is from, this is from Comic-Con. It's an exclusive. Oh it's God. super rare. You got to get it, man. And I didn't buy it. And to this day, I actually regret it because I wish I did buy that. <laughs> God, what a, that was, I would, what a jerk that was. <laughs> I'm sorry that I tried to sell it to you like that. With the no. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, I remember you doing that and I remember, and what's funny is 
God, what a piece of crap. Would you think so? Why? I don't know. I'm just, I, I, I could see probably why I know probably why I was trying to do that. Um, because I had to sell a certain amount of them to, to pay the, the, the guy that made them. Yes. So I, I remember, thought, I remember you telling me something like that. Yeah. But, um, you know, just the fact that I was like trying very hard to convince you to buy something sounds like, uh, something I wouldn't do these days, but, uh, Thanks for still uh, being a friend. Oh, of course, of course. But what's interesting is like, that kind of also brings to the point of like Captain A-hole, right? How you said you know, that came a lot from anger. And like, when I tell you that story, you're like, why the fuck would I do that? You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, it's interesting how as time goes on, even with your art and even you are as a person, you know, things have just changed. And, you know, Captain A-hole isn't so A-hole anymore. You know what I mean? Now you're just the captain. Right. No, that's great. I mean, that's true. Even the last uh, album that I did, it was it was kind of like me exactly what she said i just kind of put a black line over the a-hole and then the, the title of the album was i'm really a nice guy because i kind of think i'm a nice guy i mean you're all right <laughs> and yeah and a, lot of the, a lot of the a-hole stuff did come from anger and 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 so that that was my like place to to release it and yeah now i'm not so angry anymore and uh i went to therapy and i'm, I'm all better now i gotcha i gotcha uh maybe gabe before we continue on the story any other questions you want to ask no no question but uh just a comment on that last part it, i think it, it shows like almost in like a, a physical way like the transition that you've made growing up and you know becoming who you are now so i think it's interesting because not everyone like has that medium uh to show like how you've changed yeah it's kind of like a it, in a way it's like a diary that's that's kind of out there for everyone to read you know and for me to even look back and reflect on like i listen to some of my old music or i even recently started reading some of my old captain a-hole guides and i there's stuff in there i would not write at all anymore but some of that's the the, the culture the climate of the culture now and what's funny and what's not acceptable as it used to be. Oh, of course, of course, because comedy now is different than it used to be, right? Right. Comics, like, if you think about it, I always I always kind of go, like, how would it be if, like, Chris, uh, sorry, if Richard Pryor was, like, still alive and he's, like, started now? There's no way he'd become the famous person he was, right? Good. I mean, yeah, he, he, his stick would have to be completely different. Yeah. Oh, totally, totally. All right, so we go through all that. You go through um, uh, How Zombie Chicks. Now, How Zombie Chicks, kind of what I kind of I'm seeing is when you kind of start stepping away from selling comics and kind of start going into selling like prints, just prints really, and just almost parody work. Would you say that's true? That's very true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would sell a ton of the prints. This was also before there was a hundred thousand guys selling prints at conventions and having huge, you know, 24 foot high walls behind their booth with prints of everything and prints, prints, prints. So um, prints would sell really well. And then I, and I got hired by a company to do some, they own the license or they, I don't know what, I forget now, but they, they were hiring me to do artwork of old movie posters, like the, the classic monster movies, some other serial movies that I've never heard of from, from like the thirties and forties. And was this a local company or was this uh they were based out of LA. Okay. And so I was just doing all the work remotely. And so but part of the deal was they would they pay me for the art and then I'd also get to make prints of whatever I made and and sell them for whatever I wanted. So that's kind of where I ventured away from doing prints of hot zombie chicks and prints of like, well, I did this King Kong poster and a Frankenstein and a mummy. And now I'm going to sell these prints because I I can. Now, at this point, roughly 
how old are you and what's like the age or how old are you and what year is it roughly? Um, I'm about 30 or yeah, I'm about 30. So this was uh, 2010, 2011, somewhere in there. Yeah, that sounds about right because during that time, that's when I do remember you kind of be more focused on prints. And I think really at that point, you just, you stopped making comic books, right? It was all prints? Kind of. Um, I started working on a new comic um, that took me... Oh, that's correct. That's right. I forgot about yeah, that. This was probably my um, uh, last comic that was my own thing that I actually put out. It was, I, it was this comic called Eagle Eye, which um, was like a superhero comedy, but also still kind of had that like sarcastic humor that Captain A-Hole and Gunja Rabbit and even Hot Zombie Chicks had. It still had my, my humor in there, but there was also, I had done a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, growth over the years. And so I, I tried to put in like, this guy wants to become a superhero to find his self-worth, but he finds his self-worth, not necessarily from the superhero, but anyways, it, it's a great story and you can buy the comic on my website. It's, it is still available. And, and what's your website? Uh, it's just mikehamptonart.com. All right. So we go to the prince. You start doing that. You do Eagle Eye. Roughly how long do you do Eagle Eye, Eagle Eye for? Yeah, Eagle Eye um, and the Quail. That was a sidekick. So I do that for um, a couple years. I released it in like a um, kind of like a pulp comic with with my buddy Brandon, and this where he was doing his own storyline. And so it'd be like part mine, part his, and then the the comic was called Smash Bang Pulp. And then once I finished the story, I collected all of the, the Eagle Eye story and released it in like a trade, which is what I have available now. And I did that for um, a few years. And uh, yeah, and, but while I was doing the Eagle Eye, I was doing a lot of, that's where I really got heavy into doing the prints. And so I would get, uh, you know, I'd do an exclusive for a convention and I, you know, started doing a lot of mashup stuff. So like Adventure Time was really popular. So we'd take, me and Brandon would collaborate on a lot of- I remember that. Yep, I have that too. Oh yeah, right yeah I do. I have that. I have that. Yeah, you don't, you haven't signed it, but I have it. <laughs> so, so I come over. I'll I'll sign anything you want. Yeah, so doing lots of prints, lots of ma- mashup stuff, um, and but really, like a lot of that was to draw people to the booth. To so once they're at the booth and they're buying whatever prints, it's like, oh, by the way, here's my new co- here's my comic that I self publish and write, and and it's my own work. So you know, essentially the 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 thought of the prints was to draw people to the booth to get them into the comic books that we sell. But then soon it, it, it pretty much became about selling prints. And then I started doing stickers and then I even put uh, some cups out and, but then I was selling original art. So. Hey, hold on, hold on. You did cups. Yeah. We put, I put some art on some cups for a comic con. How do I not have any of those? You don't want any of those. Really? Why? Oh, they're just cheap. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Brandon and I joke about it now that that was like, it was a year we were so, we, we kind of just went into like neutral where it was just like autopilot. Like what can we think of that will sell at the booth? What can we put this art on that will sell? And, and, and so there, there became a real lack of like passion for what we were even doing at this point. Gotcha. So it was more about just moving units rather than being creative. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I didn't have like another job like I did when I was younger doing this stuff. So like, However, I did at the convention determined on how much money I made. So right, right, right. Yeah, I needed to come up with the most catchiest Harley Quinn print I could think of, or the coolest Deadpool thing I could put together. You know, and and you know, it's a fine line because you're selling other people's 
characters and other people's owned by other companies. So it's like you're selling your fan art, but are you allowed to do that? Some guys get in trouble. Some guys in line where some people care, some people don't, but it could also get you a job at one of these places. So. Right. Right. Yes. I'm just, just a quick, like off top offhand subject or topic. Um, what is your thoughts about Deadpool? I like the movies. I never really got into him a lot in the comics, but I did. I do like some of the art, Uh huh. but I just, I never can really I have a hard time getting into the writing. I feel like sometimes, and this is just my personal opinion, you know, which means nothing, but <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think it means more than that, but okay. I, I just, <clears throat> I don't know. It, Sometimes it's it, for me, the, 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 the storyline in a comic, I, I really, I like something that's, that's rich. And it, so it seems like the storylines are more about how can we write one liner jokes for Deadpool in a, that, in a cool scene. And the storyline kind of gets, it's not really there. I don't know. Does that make sense where it's more about what cool panels can we draw with Deadpool doing cool stuff and making a kind of corny one line joke. That's that actually does. So I brought that up because baby Gabe is, a, <laughs> yeah, baby Gabe's a diehard, uh, uh, Deadpool fan. So I'm just kind of, uh, Deadpool, ah, Deadpool fan. So I was just curious to see what, what an artist, you know, like yourself would think about Deadpool. Cause I, I, I agree with that completely. Like I think, I do think kind of like Deadpool is a very niche character, like totally. And, um, I think that's what he sold upon, right? Is that, like you said, how, how outrageous can Deadpool be? It doesn't mean he's a bad character, I think. But I think, for me, I think that's, that's what it's kind of missing in his, his storyline is like the heart. You know, like, like the, the mischief is there, the quirkiness is there, but where's the heart? And I think the, the movies have more heart, in my opinion. I, I have to mostly agree with you on that part, just because of the fact that uh, when they started redoing the Deadpool issues, you know, it was the, the Marvel Now. The, like, the first few issues, I think it was like one through five or six or something like that, is like... Uh, and they were they were humorous, and that's what they were meant to be. You know, he's killing uh, like zombie versions of uh, former presidents. But then all of a sudden, they transition to Deadpool back in like the the seventies and eighties. Uh, him trying to team up with Luke Cage, and he's trying to, and he's calling himself the Deadpool. And it's just, it took a weird turn. And then all of a sudden, they take another turn, and all of a sudden, Deadpool has has a daughter that he didn't know about. And, and like all of a sudden he's trying to, you know, save his daughter and he's teaming up with like Captain America and Wolverine on this. It, it just, it didn't connect and they were just putting out whatever they wanted to with all these quippy one-liners. And there are instances where, you know, Deadpool does have a serious beat, but I feel like it's, it's not often enough. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said. Um, so thank you. Thank you for feeding the, the fuel or f- firing the fuel for that one or fueling the fire. There we go. <laughs> I can't speak right now for some reason. I don't know what's going on. All right. So then we start moving to that now to kind of like speed things up a little bit. I, we, you do things through tops, uh, through um, an upper deck and those are card companies. And with those card companies, you do this now is all this stuff. Is this after Eagle Eye or during Eagle Eye? I, yeah. All this stuff is during, um, yeah, from like 2012. <clears throat> up until up until now i've been doing different uh yeah work for tops upper deck i did i did a few sets of mars attacks and star wars a couple different sets of star wars and then and then most recently so when you say sets what are you referring to referring to cards yeah so like there was there's galactic files and then there's galactic files series two and then there was star wars high tech and then there was star wars galaxy Three, I don't know. Who, who even knows? <laughs> At this point, right. Now, quick, again, to quickly uh, veer off real quick, what is your thoughts on the last Star Wars movie? 
I enjoyed it. What? I, <laughs> I had a lot of fun watching it. Wait, the, the the last one, like the one that just came out, the Rise of the Skywalker. That's right. Yeah, I mean, okay, you know, like here's the you know we, this interview is actually over now, so we can go ahead and go. <laughs> here's why I enjoyed it. Here's what I here's my point on it. You All right, know, tell me, tell me. I as an artist who puts also puts stuff out for people. You know, you try to you try to you try to do like okay. What's the message I want to put out? What do I think people want to see? And how am I going to do that within the framework of what I have? So you're trying to do three different things and you're never going to nail all of them. Very rarely will you nail all of them. And there are movies and books and comics that do that where it's like, man, Watchmen, the comic greatest ever, right? So, and, and, and you could, but you could probably find someone who may disagree. Sure. Of course. Yeah. I thought visually there was everything you wanted to see in the star Wars. Did I agree with everything they did and that they had to go do this and that side story? Like, no, but overall I was pleased. I like what they did with the emperor hooked up to that big thing. You know, like I like when they fought in the old death star that was in the water, like all that shit was dope. And to me, that was enough for me to go, okay, I see what they were trying to do. With, with what they had and what they thought people might want to see. And in the end, it's a piece of art and it's meant to be picked and prodded apart because art is subjective. I didn't hate it. I didn't really care for the last, what was the second one? The last Jedi? Uh, I think so. Right, baby again. Yes. Yes. The last Jedi. I mean, that one was cool. It was all right. I didn't care for that one as much. You actually might've changed my opinion on the movie because I don't think about it that way. And you're right. When you see it as somebody's art form and what they tried to do, like you're right, there are some pretty cool epic pieces, like the idea of them fighting on the original Death Star in the water. Like that's pretty kind of a pretty cool idea. Now that I think about that, I was like, yeah, yeah. I honestly think you might've actually changed my mind on how I feel about the movie. Oh, look at this. Yeah. Something's happening for you right now. I know it's like an epiphany, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I liked a, I liked a majority of it too. I I took it for what it was. I try not to dig too deep into it while I'm watching it. Uh, I mean, obviously there are like storyline parts I don't agree mm-hmm. with. Um, but talking about like like as we're referencing like the fight on the Death Star, like yeah, that's that's awesome for especially for someone who you know watched those movies quite a while ago and to see that that callback. It's just. My main issues were with the story, uh, and yeah, right, and mine too. I mean, you have a you're gonna have an issue when you you have a director for the first movie, a different director for the second one, and you have a new director for the third one. Yeah, you know, there, there's gonna be right. there's gonna be complications. Oh, totally, totally. And especially for you know, long-standing franchises like these, you're going to have those continuity you know errors. You're going to have a difference in in writing because the fact that you, you can't hold on to the same thing for how how long ago did oh my god uh star wars originally come out late 70s I'm, mike was there so i'm sure he knows 37, right? <laughs> yeah 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 that's it <laughs> the only thing i didn't like about it like you truly didn't like is i thought ray treated finn like shit during that movie Oh yeah, everything kind of disappeared. She stranded him on the Death Star. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, how the hell did he get back? He risked his life to go help her, and she leaves in Kylo's ship, leaving him stranded on the Death Star in the middle of the ocean. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, totally, totally. All right, so uh, you you do stuff for Tops, you do stuff for Upper Deck. Um, You make these awesome sketch cards, which you you know, I think you can. You still buy them or no? I see them on eBay once in a while. how it works is a, a one sketch card comes in a, in a box. And so I don't know how many sketch card artists they have per set, but every once in a while I'll, I'll see what's doing. And then, uh, 
or someone will tag me on Instagram with, with the card they got. Right. Yeah. The other day I was, I just happened to, uh, go on eBay and I, and I saw one of your products or one of your comic books from way back in the day, you know, one of your Captain Neil stuff. And it was like selling for 150 bucks. Oh. Well, nobody was bidding on it. So <laughs> well, clearly out of their mind. And uh, I was going to, I was going to send you a screenshot of it because I thought it was, I honestly thought you were selling it. I was like, damn, bro. <laughs> uh, that's I, I am under a false name. <laughs> let me, let me, hold on. Let me look it up real quick. Cause I, I remember seeing it. I think it's still there. No, it's not really me. I'm actually lying. I, I'm actually the one who sold it. Yeah. Oh, okay. So Mike, it was a, um, my apologies. It was actually the walking dead poster you did for WonderCon. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're asking $90 for it. Okay. Well, good luck with that. Now he's going to sell on and drive up the price. <laughs> they're asking 90 bucks and it's, and it says signed by Mike Hampton. Oh shit. I'll sell them to you on my website for 10 bucks. <laughs> Do you still have them? I think I still have a, a few of those. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Hey, hit him up. MikeHampton.com. MikeHamptonArt.com. You can get a deal right now. Uncle Dad exclusive. $10. Signed, Ian. Signed. Not no $90. <laughs> can you throw in promo codes for that? Yeah, promo code. Oh, yeah. We yeah, should do promo, promo code Uncle Dad. Yeah, yeah. Uncle Dad promo code. Yeah, I like that idea. Uh, Mike, you better let us do that, bro. <laughs> All right. So that, that goes on. You do that. Uh, now, that pretty much leads us into today. So today, uh, what are you kind of working on right now? So yeah, today I'm working on a few things. After talking with you a time or two about this, I was, you know, brainstorming, uh, not really brainstorming, but I just kind of had this epiphany of, of what if I did do a Captain A.O. comic again, you know, when I'm laying in bed, withering, withering in my thoughts for hours, trying to sleep. As, we, as most people do. I just thought, like, what, what would I do? And then the thought was, well, what if Captain A.O. got older? And... Uh, which which happens and and so i recently turned 40 and so i thought like oh uh captain captain a-hole's guide to turning 40 and through that idea it seemed to to be somewhat interesting to people and then a friend of mine age scott who who's been with me since who's the one who came up with the name captain a-hole when he called me that 100 years ago said well you don't want to pigeonhole him into being 40 because i'm 50 why don't you know you should probably just call it captain abel's guide to getting old and i was like well how about older because we're not old <laughs> i like i like that that's how you save it right right we're not old we're older yeah so i i thought hey why not let's do that and i'm so glad you bring this up because that brings it up to the next point i want to announce officially right now that uncle dad is not just going to be a blog or a podcast, or an Instagram, we're going to be something much larger than that. And so the point that I've always tried to make about being a part of a community, being community driven and showcasing people's comic books, uh, we are going to publish the very, or the return, the 20th anniversary, if you will, of Captain A-Hole. And this is such a huge deal for me personally, because this character is so embedded in who I am as a human, you know, how I am as an individual and how I am just in life. Mike has helped me out through a lot of things in my life through his writing. And even though, you know, he's not that person anymore, and I'm not that person anymore, you know, I think all of us still have a little bit of Captain A-Hole inside of us, especially with dealing with what we're dealing with now with the pandemic and whatnot. And we've been talking about this for a very long time. I've been kind of wanting to push it more and more. And I just thought, you know, we should start doing it. And when he had this epiphany, when he had this idea of making it happen, of doing, you know, Captain A-Hole's guide to getting older, I was like, not only do I want to be a part of it, 
but I want to publish it because again, I love this comic. I loved what it did uh, for me. And I know other people do. If we can be a part of something much bigger, let's do that. And let's, re- let's reintroduce not only just this character, but let's reintroduce independent comics. I feel like that's a lost art, really. I mean, people do it. I mean, obviously, but it's not it's not true independent, in my opinion. And so we're going to do a true independent. We're fully uh, self-publishing us ourselves through Uncle Dad Comics. We are shooting to have it out, hopefully, by the end of the year. Mike, what do you think? That's right. Yeah, that's that's the plan. Uh, throughout that time, we're, uh, Mike, we're going to be releasing, uh, I think, weekly or biweekly quarantine comics about Captain A-Hole dealing with the quarantine. Does that sound about right? That sounds about right. And I think right now you can actually read those comics or at least one or two of them right now uh, on your Instagram, I believe. That's correct. Yes. Your, your Instagram. And we're also going to have them on UncleDataComics.com. And that'll be that website. That website, by the time this is up, will be up. So we shall have the first issue or, for, or second issue of, of Captain A-Hole dealing with the quarantine. So please get reintroduced to that character. Uh, some of the other things that we're trying to work with right now, we're trying to actually bring back the original issues uh, from back in the day. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to have those on the website for you to read. Uh, if you want them in a physical print form, I think we should look into that too. Maybe have them printed again as a special commemorative issue. Yeah, I think um, we're going to be doing two different runs of the orig- of Captain Eohol's Return, of an original black and white version, because I believe anybody who knows this character and who has read this comic should know that it was originally in black and white. So we're going to keep it in that black and white uh, style. But we're also going to bring it back and uh, do a full color version as well, which I know you're probably very excited about, right, Mike? Yeah, I've never done a Captain Eohol in color. And um, the first comics I did in full color were the Hot Zombie Chicks. And it's just a whole different experience. And, and I don't know, and beyond the color, like we're even going to do uh, Captain A-Hole in a, in a kind of VR ex- experience as well. So we're, we're going to try and get in touch with tech and, and the way things have been moving forward. And so I'm really excited to, to do that. And I've also talked to my uh, producer who produced a lot of the music when I was doing my older Captain A-Hole comics and told him about the project. And Happy to announce my buddy DJ Grimm is going to be helping me produce a new sort of EP album to go along with this new comic. So we're going to have that streaming as well. And you know what I'm going to do as well? I'm going to say this right now. I would like to do a 50 print run of a Captain A-Hole vinyl, but it's going to be dual LP, Captain A-Hole Originals, and then Captain A-Hole's Return. So we're going to have the first album. It'll have your favorite tracks, Mike, that you recorded back in the day. And then your new EP, we'll put down the second album. So you have yourselves the past and present coming together in one package. Uh, we're going we're gonna to look at cost at that, but the plan is I'm going to do a 50 print run for that. At least 50 print, maybe 25 print, but 50 print run that'll be available on UncleDadComics.com or Uncle Dad, yeah, UncleDadComics.com and along as well with MyCaptainArt.com. And uh, I want to get that out hopefully by the end of the year as well. Yeah, well, that would be awesome. That's exciting. I would love, I've never seen Captain A-Hole on a, on a vinyl record. And so I thought about it. And so to actually have that, I just, I may cry a little. <laughs> also cry listening to my old lyrics sometimes are very painful for me, but hey. Sure, sure. Right. Hey, whatever. And they're going to be on vinyl so people to hear even in better quality, right? <laughs> right. 
Yes. But I think, uh, yeah, I think I would like to do that. And let's go ahead and say that Uncle Dad will be publishing that as well. Uh, so yeah, I think really what we're going to do with this platform is not only just make it about talking about comics, the impact of comics and, you know, what it is for us. Because one of the things with this podcast and, and the, the platform that I have is I want to make it more deeper than just, oh, we're two dudes talking about comics. We're two dudes talking about, you know, issues in comics and how they relate to the world and how comics help us as individuals and what they do to us as individuals. And, you know, hopefully we'll be able to... Re- um, have other artists like yourself on the show. I mean, we're really trying to, we, I want to make this at least a once a month thing where we have a different artist on the show and just kind of do what we did with you and talk about, you know, their stories. Because I think, again, a lot of people don't get a chance to see or hear the stories behind these independent artists like that, you know? And, you know, and again, to understand somebody's art, I think you got to understand the person behind it. I think that's what we're trying to do. And, um, to be a part of that and to bring back something that I cared about so much. Uh, I can't tell you how excited I am. And yeah, so the final details will be this. Uh, we're going to do a 100 issue run total of, uh, of Captain A-Hole, Guides to Getting Older, uh, 50 issues, black and white, 50 issues uh, in color. Uh, we're going to have them numbered one through 50 on uh, for each set. Uh, and I'm thinking we should just do them all signed. How do you, what do you think about that? I'll sign everything. Okay. So I'll be signed. Again, I'll come to your house and sign whatever you want. <laughs> he's not meaning that to me. He's meaning that to everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's going to travel to you and sign it when you receive it. Yes, yes. That's that's how dedicated we are <laughs> for this. Is that he's doing it at his his own pocket. All proceeds will go to airfare. <laughs> it's all about the human connection. You're right. So he's going to go to your house, make you dinner, sign your comic, and then <laughs> you can't get more connected than that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could, but let's take it. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta you feed me dinner first. <laughs> yeah, so that's the plan for that. And then as far as the LP goes, uh, yeah, I'm going to be looking into that. I'll have more details on that very soon. And we'll post that on the Instagram channel as well as Mike's channel as well. And then Mike, what's your Instagram channel? It's the uh, it's same as my website. It's at... Uh, Mike Hampton Art. Awesome. Yeah. So I think that's what we're gonna do with that. But yeah, I can't. I cannot tell you how much I'm, how excited I am to do this. And I hope we can also even do some limited Captain A Hole merch as well. I would like to maybe do a T-shirt, also published by, or also produced by us. You know, whatever we can do to kind of really tie that in together. If there's anything like specific that people would want, I would suggest commenting uh, SoundCloud.com/slash Uncle Dad Comics, but also uh, maybe commenting on Mike or Uncle Dad's Instagram pages if you guys want anything specific. Like if you are are a fan of seeing these t-shirts or possibly even stickers uh let us know what you guys want yeah or you can email the man himself directly baby gabe that's right at underground meeple at UncleDadComics.com. I'm really excited for this. Uh, this is going to be my first uh, experience with Captain A-Hole and, you know, to see it, going to be able to, you know, see it transition from what it was, you know, read the originals to what it is now. Yeah, I, um, Mike, I'm ready to go on this journey with you. I am, and I'm ready to really bring this into fruition and make this happen. And I can't thank you enough for letting me be a part of it. And thank you enough for being here. Um, I wish it was in person, of course, but you know, during these times, it is what it is. But yeah, I can't tell you enough how 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 excited I am to get this going and to be doing it with who somebody. Because now it's funny. Because now, to me, not only is it a transition of who you are as a, as a person, you know, going from Captain A Hole, you know, going to actually going from Gondrava Captain A Hole to everything in between and becoming, you know, who you are now, very zen, very connected to your to your human, you know, to, to your human side, your human nature, to who you are as a person. You know, I think that's phenomenal. And not only just to that, but also the bond that you and I had throughout this time frame and how it came from just being a dumb little kid wanting to buy a comic and wanting to just be you know to be heard if you will and kind of seeing our friendship expand and now i consider you absolutely one of my best friends whatever that's worth to you and uh i'm just excited that we i get to do this with people that i consider my best friends and yeah man i just can't tell how excited i am 
Well, that's, those are really kind words, and and I do appreciate your your level of being able to drop down, drop in, and and connect, and and, and yeah, I'll tell you, um, you know, the thought of the comment came to my mind, and whether it would actually happen, I'll be honest, it probably if you hadn't actually said to me that you wanted to to, to come along and publish it and make it make it happen, I'm not sure that it actually would have. So it it means a lot to me that you you have stuck with me in some way, and and then reached out, and and now we have this great relationship, and now it's going to be coming that uh coming into something that everyone's going to be able to enjoy and uh and again it's that connection with people and and how you never know when you talk to someone what years later that can unfold to be so i'm happy that i accosted you at satcon scottish rights center <laughs> to buy my silly comic hey but without that moment this moment would it happen and i think that's something we forget about right certain moments in our lives without if they don't happen these other amazing moments in life don't happen. That's very well said. Thank you. And then before we go, because we're going to wrap it up here, maybe Gabe, I think you have something for him that you want to play, right? I do actually, because uh, we were talking about uh, potentially having, uh, you know, expanding uh, Captain A-hole. What I did find is something you created later on. And I would like to know, uh, do you remember the bearded savior? Oh yeah, I do. Yeah. So uh, I, I came across this uh, with the help of Uncle Dad, and I, I'm just going to play a, a bit of it. I want to know like how you came up with this, and question as to why is there no Act 2, because this is called Act 1. Uh, I'm going to play it now. So since there's no actual audio for you to hear, let me just describe it really fast. Actually, no, I'm not going to describe it. Let's actually have Mike describe it. So obviously, we'll, we'll, we'll put the link of the video in the in the description of this, of this episode. But uh, go ahead, talk us through uh, The Bearded Savior. You know, you do a lot of projects throughout the years and a lot of times you have no recollection of them <laughs> until you see them. And then, even then, sometimes you have no recollection that you do something uh, like that. That was a, it was a, a de development thing I was doing for a possible animated short. So those were the storyboards for the animated short. And I obviously it never, it never came forth as, as anything, but I even was was planning to possibly make that as a comic, but Bearded Savior was like a a superhero whose whose superpowers came from his huge burly beard, <laughs> and um, just a silly superhero. Wait a minute, hold on, hold on, hold on. How did that never come to fruition? <laughs> well, again, you do a lot of things, and you're putting your toe in lots of different waters and temperatures, and sometimes there's a bite, and sometimes you just get cold feet. So there you go. You know, I'm thinking after we do this Captain Hall project, I'm thinking we bring that back. Step aside, Santa, and there's a new bearded hero. Oh, fuck yeah. There's your tagline, bro. <laughs> That's a great tagline. There you fucking go, dude. I think after we do do all this stuff with Captain A-Hole, I think we should look into that. I'm just saying. Also, we can do an animation for Captain A-Hole and the Bearded Savior. Who's going to animate it, Gabe? I don't know. Not me. <laughs> it's just an idea. <laughs> Uh, yeah, actually, uh, Gabe, you were asking me earlier, you know, how come you haven't made an animation for um, Captain A-Hole? Um, there, there was a time, I forget when, what year, 2000-something or other, and um, we actually uh, teamed up with an with a animation company. I say that, you know, they were not anything like Nickelodeon or anything like that, but they were doing animation, and, and we started developing it. But, you know, it just, it just goes to show how hard it is to get an idea 
to actually a finished product. There's so many things that get put into the, into development that just never see the light of day. And it's hard to, to bridge like this project with this person and then this and this, and then like, where do you get funding to make this happen? And for the people's time and, and then like, carrying the relationship throughout the whole project. So it's it's actually really hard. And there's a lot of projects that, that happen out there that will never see the light of day. And, you know, Bearded Savior and the animated Captain Ahor are a couple of those things. I think it's something we should look into for the future. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. Yeah. I mean, I would love to see an animated... And then I think that's part of what we're thinking about with, with what I mentioned with the VR is, is some kind of experience that's within the comic that is interactive with with you and Captain in like a virtual space where things are moving around. I think it could be a lot of fun. That's gonna be interesting for sure. I'm excited to see that come to come to live too. Captain Ahol's quarantine tour. Oh, there you go. There you go. What's a if you were to animate a Captain Ahol, what would his voice sound like? Probably a lot like mine. You would you want a voice on? I mean, I always, uh, I always picture his voice as mine. And and okay, so uh, here's the thing: when I do uh, the Captain A Hole persona in my rap, a lot of times he he has this like really deep, deep, uh, deep sounding voice. I kind yeah. of drop down and do this kind of character version of myself. And so I would say that's probably cl- as close to what it would sound like. Can we hear? Can we hear what that would sound like? Yes, it, it probably sounds a lot like. A lot like this, a little like that. I like, I like it. <laughs> yeah. like that. Here's the thing. I, you, you mentioned SoundCloud. I, there's actually a Captain A-Hole SoundCloud with a handful of my songs that people can go listen to. Ah, okay. We can, uh, baby Gabe, we can put that on the site. Yeah. So Mike, thank you so much for talking with us and having a good time and telling us your story. I know there's still so much more to talk about. Uh, really from you because you have the most amazing story. Uh, next time we have you on, I want to talk about Burning Man because I know, Bert, as you mentioned earlier, Burning Man's a huge part of your life. And I really want to get into that, not only because it's an interesting story and interesting how you connect to it, but I find that a lot of people in comic books love what Burning Man represents. And I would just love to have a full episode just talking about that. Oh, I would love to. Yeah, I, that, I, I feel like going to that was a huge part of my evolution as a as a human and brought me to kind of where I am now. So I would love to have that conversation with you and I'd love to get you out there when it happens again. Well, we were planning on it. We were for sure planning on going this year, but then, you know, everything yeah. happens. So it is what it is. But, you know, were, were you going to be doing something for Burning Man digitally? Because I know they're doing like a virtual thing, right? Yes. Um, yeah. So there's, there's actually a, a few virtual burns right. and they're they're also putting putting one together that's I think going to be a VR experience. Right. And yes, so I'm creating some art which I was originally going to create to bring out there as a physical piece this year. And so now I'm just going to do a to do a, a digital version only that I'm going to submit for the for the virtual burn. And you know the theme to Burning Man this year was there's a theme every year, and the theme for this year was multiverse, which is interesting how this whole thing happened and now there is no Burning Man. But there is, it's just not the physical Burning Man. It's a different version of what Burning Man would be. So the, it's kind of like the multiverse manifested. So uh, yeah, and I'd love to share that art with you guys. And all of my Burning Man art is kind of comic book themed. So I feel like it, it ties in. Mike, uh, the, the new one you're going to do, is it comic book, like a comic book cover too or no? Well, it's a cover, but it's a cover of a Burning Man version of Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, cool. With that being said, as always, we want to leave you with a recommended read, but I'm not going to recommend it. David Gabe's not going to recommend it. Uh, Mr. Mike Hampton, recommend them a comic book that they should read. How dare you put me on the spot? (laughs) 
<laughs> I have a tendency of doing that to people here. Yep. <laughs> of course. Uh, Captain A-Hole's guide. No, you can't say your comics. You can't say your comics. <laughs> <laughs> coming late 2020. Yeah, coming late 2020, right. You know what book I really enjoyed? And it was, uh, I think they did 12 issues or maybe they did. No, they did more than 12. Uh, it was a series called Southern Bastards. And um, yeah, Jason Latour and I forget who else was involved with it. But it's uh, it takes it's. These guys grew up in the South, so I relate to that. And um, it's about this uh, small town, Arkansas football coach who's also like this gangster. And the guy has to come back to town to deal with his left behind past. And so there's a lot of crazy like storylines that within that storyline. And um, and it just feels so, so Southern when I'm reading it. So I, I would recommend Southern Bastards. It came out a few years ago. So I'm sure there's a trade of it now, but that's actually what what popped into my head. Awesome, awesome. When you hear that, that's uh, Southern Bastards. Uh, and that's uh, from Image Comics and it's by uh, Jason Aaron and Jason Latour. I don't know where you can get that get that still, but I'm sure Comixology or something like that. Yeah, they might have it out. And I'm throwing this out there too, Comixology, if anybody's listening, you know, you can sponsor us, just saying. <laughs> Uh, with that being said, thank you again so much, Mike. I really appreciate you coming. Uh, we hope that we're going to have you on again soon. I'm sure, uh, baby Gabe as always. Thank you for being my right-hand man and making sure everything is technically sound. And as always, everyone, please be safe. Love each other. Don't hate. Have a good night, guys. Bye.